ago, I was left in a hospital in Sydney, Australia. And uh, many of you may know that my husband and I oversee an organisation called the A21 Campaign um, in 14 countries around the world where we help to rescue the victims of, of human trafficking. It, it is particularly meaningful to me. Uh, if you guys would just put my birth certificate up, and I know some of you have seen it, but there'd be so many new people, you would see that 50 years ago, you know, my birth certificate simply had the name unnamed typed in and that I was number 2508 of 1966. And, it, you know, I guess the last couple of days, turning 50, I've reflected on this deeply because that kid that was number 2508 of 1966 left in a hospital unnamed and unwanted, that kid that was then sexually abused for 12 years by several different men, that kid that grew up in the poorest zip code in my state, the third poorest zip code in the nation of Australia, that kid that was so marginalized because my parents were Greek immigrants from Alexandria, Egypt, and we lived in a very low class area, very marginalized because of our ethnicity. If you saw my big fat Greek wedding, that is my big fat Greek life. And so um, that's kind of where it was. And you know, very also marginalized because of my gender. I grew up in a culture, very strict Greek Orthodox culture where women were not encouraged to do anything or to aspire to anything great in their life. And um, that kid should have been a statistic. That kid, you know, um, should have been addicted to something if I still stayed alive. But I am living proof that in and through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you can start bad and you can finish good. That Jesus Christ truly does redeem lives and he restores lives and he turns lives around. He is so wonderful. So I don't know what your story is in this place today and to our online community and whatever campus you might be on, but I want you to know that God knows you, God loves you, and that God cares. And he took this unnamed, unknown, unwanted kid from the back of Sydney, Australia. And not only did he rescue my life, but then he now uses my life to help rescue other people. You know, I am living proof that God can even take all of the bad things that have happened to you and work them together for good, Romans 8.28 says. And he's done that in my life, that everything that the enemy wanted to destroy my life with, God said, you know what? I might just redeem that and not only rescue her, but I might take all those unnamed, unknown, abused girls and children from around the world that are being trafficked and I might just use this chick from down under to open the prison doors for those that are still bound. I might just use that very same girl that the devil wanted to destroy. You know, Every time we put a trafficker in jail, every time we see a young woman or a young man or a child rescued, I feel like Joseph in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. And I feel, you know what, enemy, you meant this for evil against me, but God meant it for this very purpose to save many people alive. So devil, you can stick that in your pipe and smoke it. I'm going to make you pay till the day I die for the thing that you've done in your life. That's what you can do. That's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He makes us more than conquerors. And you know what a more than a conqueror is? Is you take the very thing that the enemy wanted to destroy your life with and you turn it around and allow God to use it to give someone else a future. You know, the enemy wanted to de destroy me, but I'm living proof that your history doesn't have to define your destiny, but you can use your history to help give other people a destiny. So on that note, we're going to turn to our text this morning. I got myself fired up right now. I love Jesus. You know, I'm just... Uh, 
I'm like, you cannot. I'm like those, you know, the, 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 um, in the book of Acts, the disciples were saying, you know, you might try to silence me, but we cannot help but speak of all of the things that we've seen and heard. I'm just one of those people that just really, truly did get saved 28 years ago. And every day, I am so grateful for that. I hope you are still so grateful for so great a salvation. Jesus Christ did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. I was dead and now I'm alive and I am so so grateful to God for the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That's Christine Kane, everybody. If you don't know who she is, uh, you can look her up. She's awesome. Um, and she is like this tall. And uh, she's just a fireball. And um, I played that because I wanted you to hear the gospel. Everything that she said, that is the gospel. We don't come to make bad people good. We came to make dead people alive. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Whatever the enemy tries to use against us, we're going to use it to let people free. We're going to come and, 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 and take those bad things that have happened in our lives and we're going to break chains and set people free. Amen? Amen. Is that not the gospel? Yes. yes. I'm so happy you're so excited. Um, <laughs> I want to, uh, I was praying uh, about today's sermon and everything, and um, I usually take like everything that kind of goes on in the week, and I, I kind of mesh it together in a sermon, because I believe that the Lord is, is doing stuff in people's lives, and, and I, we don't, we, I don't have one of those things where it's like, oh, hey, we're going to, you know, here's the 15-week program, and we're going to speak on all these different things, and I, I, I can't do that. I've tried that many, many, many times, and what I find is that um, I can't stay uh, focused, and I don't know why. Um, but I can't like, it just, because there's so many things that I think the Lord is doing and I feel like I'm confined in a box sometimes when we get into that. And I'm not saying that it's bad or that it's good. I'm just saying it doesn't really work for me all the time. And so for me, um, one of the things that I was doing this week and I want to kind of share it with you is um, uh, I was very inconvenienced this week. A lot. <laughs> you guys ever had that? I mean, we're in a series called Inconvenience, and so, like, I think it's just really funny that God's like, hey, guess what? Let's have fun with this. You know, practice what you preach. Here we go. Like, um, uh, so I want to share just a couple things that have happened in, in the couple weeks, and then I got just this, this short snidbit of, uh, of a few things I want to share of the scriptures. Is that okay? That's where we're headed. Um, and the, the first thing that, that I ran into um, this week is uh, uh, my wife has been uh, driving the same car for 14 years. And uh, we've been saving up for 14 years um, to buy a new car. And um, we didn't buy a new car. We got, we got a used car, but it's new to us. Um, and uh, I don't know if you guys, have you ever had to deal with dealerships? Yeah, I have actually a friend down at a dealership, and he's a, he's a good friend of ours, and, and, uh, but we didn't deal with him because he's the owner, so we have to deal with like these other people, and, uh, and I got to deal with this guy, and uh, cool guy, nice guy, young guy, and... Um, how to put it? <laughs> car dealers want to sell a car. That's their job, right? And they want to make sure that you're in the room constantly because they know as soon as you leave the room, they lose their leverage. Did you, you guys got that, right? And so like car dealerships, you can never call them up and just be like, hey, this car, I'm really interested in it. You know, like, can you tell me some of the stuff on it? They're like, no, you have to come here. And I can lock you in a room for like three hours, right? 
And so uh, we went down there, like, we went down there. This was a whole week-long process, which is really weird. So we went down there. We looked at this car, and it was just, it was a God-destined thing. Like, God was just kind of like, the car literally, it came in the night before. It was totally cool, awesome. And, you know, it's one of those moments where, like, yay, Jesus, we love you. Um, and we looked at the guy. I'm not looking at, this is, I literally looked at him. I said, bro, we're going to buy the car. We're just gonna get like you, you, we're gonna buy the car, but the car wasn't ready. Does that make sense? Because they had because it just came in, so they had to wash it, they had to detail it, they had to get all these things done. And it's like, okay, I said, but listen, you sold a car. We just have to get the paperwork done. Does that make sense? Like it's all good, y'all. It's all good. <laughs> and he's like, okay, okay. So and, and that was like like one of the like Monday, and then Tuesday rolls around. And he's, he's like texting me constantly, hey, you guys still good? You still good? I'm like, bro, you sold the car. <laughs> We just have to get the paperwork done. As soon as it's done, you let me know and I'll go back down there, right? And so Wednesday rolls around. Wednesday rolls around and, and, and I don't know if you have a life like me and my wife, um, but we don't have time to breathe, um, let alone go down to a car dealership and handle car stuff. Does that mean, I mean, we have to like block stuff out. Like, uh, like we're calling babysitters and be like, can you watch the kids for a while? We have to go down here for like nine hours. Um, like, you know what I mean? And so we're like, so we're dealing with this. And so I told, I told Monique, I said, hey, listen, you just keep doing what you're doing. Um, and then I'll go down there, you know, uh, I'll go down there because it's all in my name. So I'll just get it all done. And then you just come pick me up. So I have a ride home. Um, and this place is in Chino. There's no good way to get the Chino. It is like there's no freeways. There's like, I mean, even if you take the 60, you still have to drive down Central to get the Chino. It's like ridiculous, right? So like we're way down there and I'm like, okay, we're good. And so he calls me up. He's like, hey, man, I need you to come down here. And I'm all excited because we're getting the car, right? I get there and uh, it's him and then it's one of his managers. And I was like, hmm, this is not good. Right? He's like, hey, I know you guys like the car and that type of stuff. Um, we have a problem. And I was like, what's the problem? He goes, it won't pass smog. Excuse me? It's like a new car. Like, I mean, it's like a new car. Like, I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, I know it's used, but it's like new. I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean it won't pass smog? He goes, actually, we're confused too. We actually have no idea why it won't pass smog. And the guy goes, look, we're not going to sell you the car, you know, unless it gets smog. Like, it's just a legal thing. So we just want to let you know we can't do any of the paperwork unless it's smogged. Okay, time out. Why am I here? <laughs> right? I look over at the guy. I was like, bro, I already told you, you sold the car. Now I told my wife, go do what you have to do and come pick me up. And I'm thinking it's like an hour. No, this is a three-hour process now that I am stuck at the dealership. Now, I could do Uber, right? I can Uber myself home. But when you're frustrated, Uber's not on your mind. <laughs> the frustration, I am sitting here and there are tons of cars around me and I can't take any of them. <laughs> Does that make sense? And I'm sitting there, and then I get into this moment where I'm sitting there, I'm like, why am I here? And then all of a sudden, the series pops up in my, my, my mind. Are you a little inconvenienced? <laughs> oh, you. Oh, God. No, 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 no. So I sat down, and I was like, I want to start doing some work, right? And as I sat down, 
the young salesman comes and he sits next to me and he starts having a conversation about him and his girlfriend and, and the, they're, they're looking to have a child and that kind of stuff. And I said, oh, you and your girlfriend are looking to have a child. So what's wrong with your finger? <laughs> he goes, he goes wow, what, what, what would be wrong with my finger? Oh, I didn't know if it was like allergic to, to metal or... I, was like, <laughs> I am one of those guys, I'm just bold like that. And he's just like, oh man, blah, blah. And he goes, well, to be honest, he goes like, my parents, uh, uh, my parents were never married and they've been together for 35 years and this is the culture in which he grew up in and his uh, his girlfriend um, she grew up in, in a, a divorced family and so marriage has just never been shown like good to them and so we got to have a 45 minute conversation about God about life about marriage about children about all these different things and so this three-hour ordeal I got to at least spend some time giving the gospel of Christ and what life looks like in the kingdom to him and then he looks at me and he goes well, I guess marriage probably isn't that bad. Maybe, I, maybe we should have a conversation. Do that. And I was like, hey, you have my number and my bank account and my social security. I was like, you can come get a hold of me anytime you want, okay? And, uh, but we got to have that amazing conversation. And, 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 uh, and it was like that moment where I could have sat there frustrated. I could have left. I could have done all these different things. But it was a moment that God carved out for me and this young man to have this conversation. And it was just a beautiful uh, thing. And, um, as soon, and, I, and then my wife pulls up, right? As soon as the conversation ends, here she comes pulling in. I was like, awesome. And he goes, I'll be right back. He gets a call and he comes right back. No, my wife walks in the door. He comes up. He goes, hey, pass smog. <laughs> oh God, you sneaky, you know what I mean? Uh, and so the reality is, man, we have to watch the moments that God is. And I want to share just another, uh, another moment um, that I had, which I just thought was super crazy. Um, after a Tuesday meeting, this is a, a, a two weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, um, after a Tuesday uh, program meeting that we had, I get a text from Jamila and she goes, Hey, you should probably come outside of your house. And there's fire trucks pulling up, right? My across-the-street neighbor caught his kitchen on fire. Okay? So me and Justin are supposed to be having a meeting, but, but um, whoa, that was awesome. Did you feel that? Like, that was like, that was like the right timing, and it was the right song. That was, that was God there, dude. It was, uh, so, uh, no, uh, so uh, me and Justin are having a meeting, so we're like, you want to go see fire trucks? We're like, yeah, we want to see fire trucks, right? So we, we run outside, right? And they're like, it's like, I mean, there's two fire trucks, the big one and that, because it's a house fire, right? And my neighbor, and, and I don't, like me and my neighbor, like we know each other. We're like, I mean, we're like one of those neighbors where you're like this. Yeah. You know, you know that? Like, you don't really actually have to say anything. You just look at it. But I have another neighbor where it's like this. It's only the three fingers, though. That's, that's what we do. I don't know why. It's just, that's what it is. Every time we look at each other, we're like, it. So, um, <laughs> you know you have those neighbors, right? So this neighbor is like, he's like kitchen, I thought was like on fire. And instead of going to the fire trucks, he goes, hey, because me and Justin ran out there. He goes, oh, hey, Craig. And he comes running across the street. And he's like, I need to talk to you, man. And I was like, Okay, is your house okay? And he's like, oh yeah. And he like runs back like, to go talk to the firefighters. But for some reason, like I was like sitting there, I mean, we've been there for 10 years. Like we've known each other for a long time. Um, but we never, like, we don't really communicate. Like, you know, just, eh. Um, 
And he's a good guy. Um, and it turns out um, the stove caught fire and a lot of smoke and everybody got scared. Um, so his house was okay. Yeah. And he comes back across the street and he goes, hey, listen. He goes, I see the signs that you have and, and we know like, he goes, I know that you're like the pastor, so you're like the neighborhood pastor. And I was like, I did not know I was the neighborhood pastor. Um, but I guess now I'm dubbed the neighborhood pastor. And so, because everybody knows what I do, you know, it's really weird when you're out in the front of your driveway and you're building crosses and they're just like, what is he doing? Um, a little sketchy sometimes, okay? Dude, some of the stuff we build here, people are in the front, they're like, what are you doing? We actually had a neighbor come over every time I start building something. They're like, I just need to know what you're doing. <laughs> she, she would watch me from her, her windows. Yeah, I just need to know what you're doing. And I was like, oh, we're building this. Why? Well, because it looks cool when it's on stage. That's weird. Thank you. <laughs> like, you know, that's it. Like, weird conversation. Anyways, this guy runs cross street after his house is done burning. Um, comes up to me and he's like, hey, listen. Because you're like the neighborhood pastor and all. And he goes... Uh, my mom, we actually just brought in over to the house because she's on hospice. And um, I, she's a big Christian. And, and I don't know, do you guys have like a, a going away prayer? Um, or like, how do you, does this like work? You know what I mean? Like, do you have like a, a goodbye prayer, a going away prayer? And so I said, no, man, we just have prayer. And he, and, he, and, he said, and he said, hey, would you be willing to come over and pray for my mom? Now... I don't know him, I don't know his family, and I'm like, do they even speak English? Because a lot of the people that are going over there, all we've heard is like Spanish and that type of stuff. So I, I called up my, my, my go-to Spanish um, person, and that's Christine here at the church, and I'm like, hey girl, do you have time? And Christine was like, I don't have time, I'm like, okay, darn, I'm going to go do this. And so I, uh, I, I got to go over there, and it was the most surreal thing, because I've never been in my neighbor's house. How many, you guys ever been to your neighbor's houses? Some of you guys, yeah, see? That's a weird thing, right? It's a weird thing. And that's, so the first thing you do when you walk through the door is, is this like my house? <laughs> that's right, right? Some of you, okay, so maybe some of you guys don't do that. I just, first, first question my wife asked, was it like our house? I was like, no, it's different. The layout was all different. <laughs> so I walk over there. Uh, I walk over there, and I, you don't know what to expect when you walk in, and, and his mom is on her last leg. She was not conscious, and hospice is like, you know, they have all the tubes going on. And I did not know, like, this was a family um, ordeal. Like, the whole family was there. We were shoved into this little room, and um, I've never met this woman before, and I just laid hands on her, and I just saw the love of the family. And all I kept telling her was, well done. The love and the grace and the, and the joy that you brought to this family. Everybody in that room was there because of her. And I got to pray that. And, and they're filming. Like, they're filming the prayer and all this kind of stuff. And I'm, like, over there, like, I, I'm lucky I put on sandals. I almost just walked over barefoot. Like, I mean, it's just across the street, right? Like, you know what I mean? I, I don't wear shoes. Um, so I'm like, I'm like, this is, like, a big thing for them. But for me, it was like, it's just prayer. Are you catching something here? And so it's just prayer. As soon as we were done praying, they were all clapping. And they were all like, this is, and they were all excited. And I was sitting there going, this is so awkward. <laughs> and then 
Um, as, as everybody started giving stories of this amazing woman and, and all these amazing uh, things that she got to go through in her life. And, uh, and as I'm walking out, I was talking with, with my neighbor. And uh, he looks at me and he said, hey, I want to let you know one of the biggest reasons why we invited you over is we know, that you're, um, we know that you're a pastor and you have a church and all that. And he goes, but my brother, who doesn't like, he doesn't like certain people and that type of thing, my brother saw you one day in the front yard. And he goes, who's that guy? And his neighbor's like, oh, that's my neighbor, Craig, you know. Um, what does he do? And he's a pastor, and he goes, we need to get him over here to pray. There's something different, or there's something about him. He's got what I, and he called it, he goes, he's got a good vibe. And I, uh, we need to bring that over here. And why I'm sharing all these stories and these testimonies about these things is because you hold something that you might not realize you have. And you don't see it because you're here. You see it every day. It's right in front of your face. But when somebody that doesn't have it sees you, they see a good vibe. They see something in you and they don't even know why they want to talk with you. And they're just hoping that they can start a conversation with you. Are you guys walking with me in this one? They're just hoping that there would be an open door for, for us to have a conversation. Why? Because you hold something so precious and sometimes we don't even realize it. And so I started thinking... Um, about this, my, my, like my thought process is this, is this is a quote that I love from Ehrlich uh, Manis, it says, why is it that the entire focus of our Christianity is the elimination of sin rather than the unleashing of a unique, original, extraordinary, unbelievable, insane life? Amen? I think so many times we get focused on the things that we're not good at and the things that, that we can't do or the things that we're not doing that we miss what's really needs, what really needs to happen, which is this, living that extraordinary life. I got caught in that this week, and I just want to share one more thing with you guys before I, I throw up a Bible verse. I'll get to the Bible. Okay, calm down. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I went to that side. I just, it's for everybody. All right, all right. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, I got to meet with a lot of people this week. A lot of new people that don't know me, but they find out that I'm a pastor. And you know the number one question that they ask is, well, how's your church doing? And now this is a weird thing for me. Please don't ask me how the church is doing. We're here, aren't we? Right? That's like, how do you answer that question? See, for me, it's a little bit different because the church is great. The church is awesome. The church is wonderful. I mean, this is awesome. We're going to two services. God is moving. Lives are changing. Things are going great. But when I hear the question, how is your church doing? The first thing I go to is, how, how far are we in our vision? How far are we in our mission? And so all of a sudden, I start thinking about these things where I'm like, we don't have enough money. We are in the weirdest spot as a church right now, just in case you guys ever want to, like, cared about. Um, we're not old enough to get a loan. And we don't have enough money to back it up. So I'm like, so what do we do? They're like, well, come back when you're five. I'm like, that is the weirdest, like, thing ever. You know what I mean? It's like, they're like, well, if you can prove you have this much money, um, then we know that you can, like, can back it up. And so we'll give, you, we'll give you the loan and we'll help you out. And I was like, if I had that much money, I wouldn't be coming to you. 
right? And they're like, but if you were just older and we had more to look at, right? And I was sitting there, I'm like, ah! So we're in this Catch-22, and why do I care about that? Is because I want our vision to happen. I want to open up that cafe. I want to be in the midst of people every day. Every, I would love to sit in our building, our cafe, that, the, the building that we'll have, and just watch people walk in and to be able to have the opportunity to speak into their lives and have the opportunity for them just to come and get prayer. Even just, hey, I came in to get lunch and a quick word. There you go. Come on. Who's in here? Like, I literally want a booth in the cafe where it's like we just flip the, like, a thing around where it says, like, closed or open. And, like, if I'm sitting in the booth, you can come talk to me. <laughs> that would be awesome, wouldn't it? And we don't have just one booth like that. We have a bunch of people. Like, when our staff is there, we just, listen, why? Because it's more about what people are doing, and it's more about that than our work that we have to get done. Yes, I get it. We have to get work done. But I think people are a little bit more important. And I can't wait to get there. So like the question, how is your church doing, becomes a loaded question for me. Because what do I see? I see all the things that I'm not doing. I see all the things that we could be and we're not yet. Did that make sense? Instead of seeing what's right in front of us. And I thought to myself, like, because I got to answer this question more times than I wanted to. And every time I answered it wrong. I wish somebody would have asked me yesterday because I got the answer right yesterday. <laughs> I finally realized that we have to stop looking at where we need to be and just live in that moment where we're at right now because we might just miss the opportunity that's standing right in front of us. And the opportunity right in front of us might just be what we need to get to where we're going. Does that make sense? Because let's just be real. If somebody's sitting there going, hey, I want to go to your church and I was just wondering about it. I see it online. I think it's really cool. I want to be a part of it. Like, you know, and, but they ask me, hey, how's your church here? And I'm like, hey, we're just not where we need to be. What are they going to do? That's not where I want to be. Does that make sense? And, and sometimes how we answer questions and sometimes how we say things literally take away the hope, the joy, the purpose, and the destiny of somebody else because they're looking for an open door and they were waiting for it and it could have just been me if I just said the right thing. But here's my problem. I was looking in the future instead of looking at the moment. Did that make sense? Yeah. Oh, we got to get to this place where we recognize, look, it's okay if somebody interrupts our day. It's okay if I interrupt somebody's day. But I need to not think about my past. I need to not think about the future. I need to live in the moment a little bit. Now, okay, there's wisdom in understanding, having hope for a future. Does that make sense? Don't be like, Pastor said I don't have to think. I just got to go. Like, that's, that's not it, okay? It's understanding where God's taking you and planning for that. But, but make sure that you live in that moment. Every, does that make sense? And so I want to get there, and I, and I think Jesus um, has a lot to say about this. And he did it with the longest sermon known to man, okay? Uh, this sermon is said to be about three to five days long. Yeah, you thought our church service might have been long, right? Can you imagine? And here's the thing I, I love about the scriptures and, 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 and people like John the Baptist and Jesus and the disciples, like... People would find them. People would search them out to say, hey, there is something so exciting and so moving with them that I need to find where they're at. It doesn't matter where. And I want to be where they are. Did that make sense? I want to be where they are. 
And that's what they did, and they, and they found people. And so Jesus was out walking, and he's up on this, uh, uh, on this hill, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And the reason they call it Sermon on the Mount is because he's on like, this little hill. Um, and so he's on this, like, mountain. Um, mount, not ton, but mount. It's a little hill? I don't know. Whatever. Um, sorry. Um, I don't want somebody coming back and being like, it was on a little hill, not a mountain. I just don't need an email, okay? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> So here's how it works, okay? Um, so Jesus is giving this sermon, and it's, it's long. It's really long. Matter of fact, all of his sermons were really long. Matter of fact, that people would start to get really hungry and starve. Like, that, think about that. Hey, Jesus, we need to send the people away. Why? They're hungry. Well, just give them some food. I can't feed 5,000 people. Well, what do we got? Living in the moment, right? Well, what do we got? Just give it to them. I don't think three fish and a couple loaves is going to help out. Yes, it will. In Jesus, right? Like, come on. Everybody with me on this one? So he's on the mountain. Or mount. He's on the mount. He starts giving this sermon. The first, one of the first things he talks about is these beatitudes. And he talks about, like, if you're this way, this is what will happen. If you're this way, this is what will happen. If you do this, this is what will happen. If this is your character, this is what you'll get. And he does this thing, and we call them the Beatitudes. Um, but right after that, right after he tells you how you're supposed to act and what happens when you act this way, he says something very specific, and this is what I want to read to you. And it comes from us from Matthew uh, chapter 5, um, uh, 13 through 16, if you want to know the exact location. It says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Yay. Now we read that, right? And what are you guys thinking? Okay. Don't lose my flavor. Come on. That's, I mean, he's talking about you. Obviously, he's not talking about salt. He's making like this, this, this uh, plea that we are like salt. Right? Now, here's the cool thing about salt. Salt is a lot different back then than it is today. Today, salt is worthless. It has absolutely, I mean, you can get salt anywhere and you just, literally, we take it and we just throw it on the ground. Do you know doing that back then was like throwing on the ground thousands of dollars? They would actually pay Roman soldiers in salt. Did you know that's where you get the word salary from? And there's, a, there's an expression, it's an older one, um, but it's worth your salt. You guys have heard, maybe some of you yeah. heard that. The, the reason why they say it is because they used to pay people in salt. Why? There's something about salt. Like in your head, you're like, salt, it's, you flavor eggs with it. I don't know. Like what do you, salt. No, salt does a lot more. See, they didn't have refrigerators back then. And salt is a natural preservative. So if you wrap something in salt, it would actually stay fresh longer, which means you can hold on to it longer. Does that make sense? So if you're doing long trips that you have to walk to and don't have a camel to ride or whatever, the reality starts to become you can actually hold something longer and it stays fresher longer. Everybody with me? But he's not talking about salt. He's talking about you. But those same uh, those same rules still apply to you. So what are you to the world? Your flavor. You're a preservative. Did you guys catch this? And when people look at you, you're worth something to them. Did that make sense? This is what Jesus is trying to say. You are the salt of the world. 
You're the one that's supposed to go and bring flavor to people's lives. You have something that they want. And if you talk with them, you just might preserve them for an eternity. Did that make sense? And he doesn't stop there. He says something else, like right back to back, because he wants people to know, hey, there's something about who you are. You're worth something. And the next thing he says is this. Oh, yeah, last thing, sorry. Um, and if you're not doing that, if you're not the salt, if you're not preserving, and you're not being flavorful, which, AKA, you're not helping people out, you're not talking about Jesus, you're just doing your own thing, salt without flavor, without its preservative power, is just a really, really nasty rock. That makes sense? And it deserves to be thrown on the ground and trampled. Jesus doesn't mix words. He's very, very direct. Does that make sense? He's just like, look, if you're the salt of the earth, yay! If you're not and you lost your flavor, you're going to get trampled on. I don't like you. Jesus said no. That's Craig Hamilton version. Okay. Um, 14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, uh, but on a stand. And, give, and it gives light to... to yes, you are the light of the world. A city cannot be hidden. Nor do people put a lamp under a basket and stand. It gives light to the house. Uh, it gives light to in all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may, be, may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is obviously, these concepts are not hard, right? You are the light to the world. You should not put a bowl or a basket over light. If we lit something on fire to give us light, what do we do? You put it on a stand so the whole, everybody lights up the whole room. Everybody with me on that one? You don't light and go, that's cool. Let's put this over it. Yay. Are you guys with me? What is he saying? Very, very simple. What is he saying? Oh, this is so simple. If you're the light, why are you hiding? If you're a light, why are you hiding? You have something that people want to see. Listen, I don't care how bright your light is. Light of any kind in pitch darkness is still brighter than the darkness. Right? Don't believe me? Look at a star. Now in your head, you're like, a star is so amazing. Dude, if it really is billions of miles away or wherever it's at in the, the universe, right? And like, it still looks like a little thing up in the sky to us and it's that far away. Listen, any type of light is good. Did that make sense? You can see it. So listen, I don't care if you're an old Christian, a young Christian. I don't care if you've been a Christian your entire life or you're a Christian from last weekend, okay? Listen, the reality starts to become your job is to let your light shine. Now, I hope you want to get your light brighter and brighter and brighter so that you can go and, 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 and bring light to this dark world. Easy, cliche, everybody with me? Yes. But isn't that the truth? Yes. But sometimes we've been too churched. This is simple. We got to bring it back. Listen, what are you? You're salt and light. Now the question, are you being salt and light? That's it. I shared all of that to ask you that one question. What are you doing with your life? 
Is it literally just about you and getting the next paycheck? Is it just about you getting that promotion? Is it just about you going to that next vacation, getting that next like uh, house or car or whatever? Is it just about that? Or is there more to your life where you look at somebody and say, listen, God created you special. You are the only one that's going to hit the people around you with the light of truth and the salt that God has given you. Go be the flavor to people. Go be, you don't need to be like weird and charismatic like me and do that. You have your own way of doing it and that's awesome but here's the thing make sure you're doing it listen not everybody's called into full-time ministry until you realize that your job is actually a ministry field did that make sense not all of you guys are going to do a church that's okay but all of you should be part of a church why because we have to get together when the lights all get together it's a blaze did that make sense that's what it is this is why people don't like coming to church. Why? Because when they come to church, they're exposed. Why? Because they can't hide in the light. That makes sense? But if they realize the light was caring, loving, and gracious, they'd want to be there as they, they learn to start their fire. Did that make sense? So, it was very simple today. I want you to go and have testimonies. I want your life to be interrupted. And I'm sorry, but I'm going to pray that for you this week. <laughs> I am. Because there are opportunities every single day. There's going to be opportunities when you leave this place today to go and get interrupted in your life. And I pray that you don't back down, but that you become the light and the salt to those people that you're going to be talking to. And that they would catch a glimpse of heaven. Why? Because of you. And because of what's in you. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray. Band, you can come on stage. And let's just worship God Let's just praise him for who he is. Let's praise him um, that, that he's given us something. I really don't know how to end it. I just, my heart for you guys is just live it. I can't wait for the day where we come back, like we come here and I don't even really have to preach. We just hand out a microphone and everybody just kind of shares the testimonies of what God has been doing throughout their week, of who's been touched, who's been saved, who's been healed. And by the way, if you heard my testimonies, not one person was saved. Did you get that? Not one person was saved. They were loved on, yes. And love changes people's hearts and it changes their minds of how they see certain things. And hopefully if they get loved on enough, they'll be able to see who Christians truly are. Amen? Amen. Did all that make sense? It was a very simple thing today, but I, it, we got to do it. It's not just about hearing now. It's about living it. So, Father, we love you. I thank you for what you're doing in Church 242. I thank you for the men and the women that come here. Young and old, Father God, I just pray, Father God, that we would not be afraid to chase after you. And, God, we would stop hiding behind excuses that I'm this or I'm that or I, I can't talk to somebody because I, 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 I don't have good speech or I, I'm not smart or whatever it is. God, would we get rid of all of that? Because that's what you did, God. You got rid of all of our insecurities. You got rid of all of our sins. You got rid of all of this. God, we need to be able to move in you. So Holy Spirit, we just ask God that you would, I just ask Father that you would rise up in our people. And that God, every day they would take the opportunity to share the love and the grace that they have in you.